Uh, our reading this morning is continuing our series. In fact, it's the last in our series looking at the book of Hebrews. Uh, we are thinking about Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 1 through to 25. And David Clark is going to read that for us this morning. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshippers would have been purified once for all time, and their feeling of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the Scriptures. First, Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, 
Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain of the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly, without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us all think of ways to motivate one another to act of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen. Now, if you do have your Bible there with you this morning, please do turn back to Hebrews chapter 10 uh, as we think about this passage uh, this morning. And as we do so, let's just join together in prayer. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you might be with us this morning as we consider your word, uh, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would help us uh, to concentrate on your word which is a living word, and that you might speak to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, over these past few weeks, we have been in the book of Hebrews, and we have been thinking about how Jesus is greater. And we looked at Hebrews chapter 1, and we thought about how Jesus is greater than the angels, And then we move to chapter 3 and we thought about how Jesus is greater than Moses. And then a couple of weeks ago we thought about how Jesus was like Melchizedek and greater than Abraham. And today as we conclude this service by looking at Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to be thinking about how Jesus is greatest of all. How Jesus is greatest of all. Now, When we started this series a few weeks ago, we thought about uh, those who would claim to be great. Because particularly in the sporting world, fans will argue about who is the greatest. And we thought about uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, who declared that he was the greatest. I am the greatest. That's what Muhammad Ali, but before my time, mind you, but that's what he said. I am the greatest. But I guess in life that there would be those who would be considered great. Is that not true? From people in ancient history, from Aristotle and Plato to Copernicus to Galileo, to those more recently, someone like Florence Nightingale or Winston Churchill or Martin Luther King or Mother Teresa all have extraordinary stories and did amazing things. All were great in their own way. And we could debate about which one of them was the greatest. But for the writer to the Hebrews, there is no doubt as to who is the greatest. And indeed, within the church throughout the years, there should be no debate about who is the greatest. Because we know that Jesus is greater 
that Jesus is the greatest. Now, the question arises for us this morning, well, well, why and how is Jesus the greatest? What is it that Jesus has done? What is it in Jesus' character that makes him the greatest? That makes him not just like these other people, not just a prophet, not just a wise teacher, but something much more than that. Why is it that for over 2,000 years, the church has declared Jesus to be the greatest? You see, we have seen that Jesus is greater than angels, greater than Moses, greater than Abraham. But how is he the greatest of all? Well, there are many answers to that, of course, but what I want to conclude uh, our series in Hebrews by thinking about is what Jesus brings that no one else can. You see, in chapter 10, the writer to the Hebrews makes clear that the old covenant found in the Old Testament, the old system of the law, the Ten Commandments and more, was only a shadow of the good things to come and not the good things themselves. That's what it says in Hebrews 10. And the writer goes on to show that the sacrifices made under the old covenant system, repeated again and again, year after year, were not able to bring perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Now, if you know your Old Testament, and especially if you look at Leviticus, you might think, oh, this is quite alien. This is really strange. Because there are all these offerings. You've got to bring an offering for this and an offering for that. And then there's got to be this, this big offering, this sacrifice of atonement uh, once a year. Can you imagine if we were still living in that system? And we'd have an altar up here and you'd have to bring your, your, your offerings each day. That's a lot of blood, isn't it? It'd be very strange. The writer also goes on to the Hebrews, to show that the sacrifices made under the old covenant system, repeated again and again, year after year, are not able to bring perfect cleansing. In other words, the sacrificial system was temporary and it was ineffective. It didn't purify once and for all and it didn't make feelings of guilt disappear. It's a bit like a camping trip. I guess. You've been camping? Some of you are like, I've not been camping for years and years. I'm sure we've all been camping at one time, whether with the, the boys' brigade, girls' brigade, scouts, guides, whatever it might be, family. Been camping? And maybe you've gone camping, you've taken a tent or a caravan or whatever it might be, and you've gone to somewhere, and the showers don't work, or there's no showers there. Maybe there's just a sink or a basin. And you just have to make do with a wash as best as you can. And you know that kind of feeling where you just feel a little bit dirty, but it's the best you can do? You just have to make do until you can have a proper shower. That's the reality, isn't it? And that's the picture here, isn't it? Because in the Old Testament, the reality is that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. But then Jesus comes. And what the old covenant was unable to do in taking away our sin, taking away feelings of guilt, Jesus does. He puts the new covenant into effect. He brings a new way 
And look at verse 10. If you get nothing out of this morning, at least take away verse 10. Because we see that it's God's will to make us holy. And we see that we become holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. You see, have you ever thought why it's the case that we no longer have sacrifices in the church? A huge change from what happened in the Old Testament? Well, the whole reason is because Jesus has paid the price for our sins. He is the ultimate sacrifice. And as verse 18 says, when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. So this first part of chapter 10 makes it clear as to this change, this change from the old covenant and this old sacrificial system to the new. Because before sacrifices were made, day after day after day, year after year, sacrifices made. But now, well, there's been a single sacrifice for our sin once and for all. Because Jesus has died on the cross for our sake. He is the sacrifice. And as verse 18 says, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. As the hymn says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. You see, in dying on the cross, Jesus does what the old way, the old covenant, could not do. He takes away sin. He makes us holy by his imputed righteousness, i.e., by the fact that in living a sinless life and dying on the cross in our place, when we repent, when we believe and trust in Jesus for our salvation, then God looks upon us. And we are covered by the righteousness of Jesus. That's the amazing thing. So when God looks at you and you believe in Jesus, he sees Jesus. And he sees Jesus' righteousness. And that's what makes Jesus the greatest. You see, no one And nothing can change our life as much as Jesus. Because before we were lost in our sins, before we have no way to come into the presence of a holy God, and it doesn't matter how many sacrifices were made, and it doesn't matter how many good deeds we try to do, all will fail. But Jesus changes everything. Everything. He cancels the old covenant and he brings in the new and he changes our life. Because from a place of estrangement from God, Jesus opens the way, a life-giving way, as verse 20 says, through the curtain into the most holy place. Now, of course, that's referring to the thick curtain which separated the holy place in the temple from the holy of holies, the the inner part of the temple, where the high priest would go once a year to make atonement for the people. 
Now, of course, if you know the Easter story, you will know that when Jesus died on the cross, something very significant happened. Because it's recorded in Matthew's Gospel that when Jesus died on the cross, the temple curtain tore in two. Symbolic of the fact that the way to God was now open because of the sacrifice that Jesus had made. Before, it was only the high priest once a year who could go into the Holy of Holies. But now the way was open because of what Jesus has done. And so from a place of estrangement, we can now boldly go into the presence of God, not because of our own goodness, but because of the goodness of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. And so we see, don't we, the difference that Jesus makes. You see, Muhammad Ali was a great boxer, but he can't bring us into the presence of God, can he? Mother Teresa, inspiring person, amazing woman of faith, but cannot bring us into the presence of God. No one can bring us forgiveness and bring us into the presence of God apart from Jesus. That's what makes Jesus great. There's something else I want to say this morning in terms of Jesus' greatness. You see, we've seen that Jesus is greater than angels, greater than Moses, greater than Abraham. But I also want to tell you something this morning. That Jesus is greater than you. And he's greater than me. Now that might surprise you this morning. I don't feel very great this morning. You know, just little old me. But look at the logic of this passage. The old covenant with its sacrifices was insufficient to forgive sin and allow people to come to God. Just as following Moses or trusting in angels or being a descendant of Abraham was insufficient to bring anyone to God. And the reality is that we are not good enough to come into the presence of God in and of ourselves. You see, we might not declare it, but there are many people who are trusting in their own goodness, thinking that that's what will make them right with God. There's so many people, even within the church, who just think, oh, if only I live a good life, God will surely accept me because I'm not really that bad and I'm certainly not as bad as that person down the street. That's really what we're saying. God, I can save myself because I am good enough. And if we believe this, we're inadvertently making ourselves greater than Jesus. We're thinking that we can save ourselves by our goodness and our human efforts. But the whole reason that Jesus came into the world was as a saviour. And for the very reason that we can't save ourselves. You see, the whole Christian message makes absolutely no sense at all if we think we're just saved by our own works and our, our goodness. Because why does God send Jesus there for? Jesus comes into the world, Christian message is Jesus comes into the world because we are not good enough. 
And because God loved us so much, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. And so if you come to worship this morning and you're trusting in your own goodness to be right with God, you're putting yourself above Jesus. And you're actually in danger. Because you're saying, Jesus' sacrifice is not good enough. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, but I'll save myself, thank you very much. When asked, what does the writer to the Hebrews say here? Let us hold tightly, without wavering, to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. You see, Jesus is greater than us. He is the greatest of all. We cannot live without him. We cannot be saved without him. We cannot come into the presence of God without him. We need to repent of putting ourselves first, trusting in our own goodness, and we need to see the glory of what Jesus has done. His sacrifice, once for all. The depth of God's love. The opening of the way that we can come into the presence of God. You see, the wondrous thing is that when we submit ourselves to God, when we put our trust in Jesus, then we know more freedom and more life than we've ever known before. I'm very taken by that verse that says that the Old Testament sacrifices couldn't take away feelings of guilt. If you're trusting in yourself, you still have those feelings of guilt. But Jesus takes away that guilt and the feelings of guilt. He takes away everything so that you might know freedom and life. So as we conclude this series today, do you know Jesus to be the greatest? That's the question. Do you know that he's the greatest? Do you know that he's greater than you are? Are you trusting in him for your salvation? Are you trusting in him and him alone? Because there is no other way to the Father. We need to repent of our sin and believe and trust in Jesus. Do you believe he's the greatest? Do you understand why he's the greatest? And if you do, do you trust that the sacrifice that Jesus has made on the cross, the new covenant that he has brought, that it's sufficient? And it's more than sufficient to pay the price for our sin and to bring us into the presence of God. You see, the wondrous thing about Jesus is that when you put your faith and trust in him, no matter what happens in your life, if you truly believe that his sacrifice is sufficient, then no matter what happens, you have that security. You have that underpinning of God. That even when the worst happens, I still have God, and God still loves me. He's still there, and he's rooting for me. You can't get that from just your good works. Because it's a relationship 
with God. So this morning, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes from yourselves. Lift up your eyes to see what Jesus has done. See that what he has done is sufficient. And give him the glory that he is due. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you might stir us this morning. That you might move among us by your Holy Spirit. Because we see that Jesus is the greatest. That he is far above other great people. Because he is, yes, fully man, but also fully God. That he is the one who came into the world. And who is the sinless saviour. That he is the one who laid down his life at Calvary's hill. And declared that it is finished. The way of salvation was now open. And we thank you that when he died the temple curtain was torn in two. The way was now open to come into your very presence. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning, if we come before you, and if we're honest, we have made ourselves the greatest in our lives, trusting in our own goodness for our salvation, trusting in our good works. Father, stir us this morning. Help us to see that in the same way that the old covenant failed, and that the blood of bulls and goats could not save anyone. That nothing but the blood of Jesus can save us. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can make us right with you. But Father, we thank you that when we repent, when we say sorry for our sins, and when we trust in the Lord Jesus, then we are covered by his righteousness. So that when you, Lord God, look upon us, you see that we are washed clean by the blood of Christ, that we are righteous, and therefore we can come into your presence with confidence and with hope and with joy. Father, inspire us through your word today. Help us to know what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to give him the glory that he alone is due. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.